Welcome to episode 835 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 835 of Iron Talk with Coach John Yusman and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good, Bevan and you. You got the blankie? Got the blankie. I've got the heater on. Trying to warm I my feet your up. hot drink. Sorry? Yeah, I'm not so big into my hot drinks. Do you know what I've gone to? Yeah. Ginger and honey. It is like, Bevan drinks probably about a litre. It's probably I'm not far off a litre. Probably more it's than a litre, to be honest. Yeah, he's got the biggest cup you can ever well, I was drinking too much milk. Because I like, I like a milky cup of tea, and mm. as the John was saying, my cup's pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was basically having like a litre of milk a day because I'd have three cups. Yeah. One in the morning, one lunch, one at night. Yeah. So I've gone down to two cups of tea, one coffee in the morning, mm-hmm. one tea at night, mm-hmm. and then the lemon or, or ginger honey. Nice. Good combination. Mm. Oh, I love it. And it's, oh, I can make you one if you want. Um, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by... Form Goggles. We've got Form Goggles. They get the most accurate real-time metrics. Hundreds of guided workouts and lap-by-lap motivation. You can check them out at www.formswim.com. And our awesome patrons. We've got David D. Squared Doherty. Uh, Alistair Speed Feet Fleet. We've got uh, John the Mountain Snail Hancock. And this week's show team, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We have an interview with arguably one of the greatest of all time. Craig Alexander, two-time Ironman world champion, um, about what we're, three times, sorry, three times. What we're going to be focusing on today is not talking about his exploits as an athlete, but he is the team captain for the internationals at the Collins Cup, and he made a bold choice. He must have been listening to last week's podcast. You you picked it. And uh, they made some interesting choices, so we're talking about a Collins Cup, which is coming up in a couple of weeks' time. I know we're we're doing the, but it's a no-brainer, wasn't it? If you could get him, it was a no-brainer. But we'll go into that later. Okay. Uh, Coach's Corner, Wanger of the Week, and a couple of questions and answers at the end. Okay, Collins Cup. Selections are there. There is some controversy. How'd you go off your picks? Uh, reason, reasonable. Just there was a random one. You versus Livingston. Who won? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was me. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah there pretty you go, John. sure it was me. <laughs> uh, yeah, some, very, uh, some interesting selections, uh, mainly on the European front. As Bevan said, the internationals, we'll come to that in a second. Uh, and this is particularly on the female side of it. It's a real head scratcher, this one. So you basically had realistically three females trying to fit them into two slots. And they've got, got Nicola Spurig, who I think a lot of people would argue you're going for that X factor. She is amazing. Um, actually, when you look at her 70.3s last year, she just about won every single thing she did. So, However, so understandable. most of them were at Weaker fields, okay. um, yep. but still, and she didn't race that particularly well at the PTO race uh, in Canada. But you kind of understand, that, okay, we're going for the X factor in there, kind of get that pick. So then it came down to Emma Pallant Brown and Holly Lawrence. Now, for most of us, you just go, it's a no brainer. It's Pallant Brown. No, she she would have been my first why? pick. Why? Why would most of you say that? Because just it's just purely stats based. You just look at the look at her um, resume over the last period, and you just go, 
how could she not be in the team? And I'm surprised she's not sort of an automatic pick in the top four. And the reason for that is because she doesn't do Ironman. Um, and okay. and the European female team is just so strong. So uh, if you compare her up against Holly Lawrence, and this is one of the great things they do on the PTO website, you can sort of do a head-to-head analysis if they've raced a few times. And what that tells us is the last four times they've raced each other, um, Emma Pallant-Brown has come out on top. Uh, she's currently ranked uh, fifth on the rank, uh, third on the Collins Cup. Third, she got third at the Collins Cup last year, so she performed at this third distance. fastest time in the Collins Cup last yeah. year. Yeah, and then she got fifth at the World Seventy Point Three Champs. Uh, and as I said, uh, Holly Lawrence, she would walk into any of the other teams, and so it's nothing against Holly Lawrence. But you're just sitting there going, this is a no-brainer. You're picking the athlete who's shown consistently she's a bit faster. They're not massively different, but you're still going... So what what, what do you think think the thinking is? Absolutely no idea. Absolutely no idea, because you just go, if you've got a borderline call... Who are the captains? um, Norman Stadler and Natasha Badman. If you've got a borderline call, surely you go for maybe the more consistent athlete. If the other athlete was say someone like a Brownlee who was informant, they yeah. had that X factor, you'd go, yeah, I can see you're probably getting beaten a bit here, but I'm going for the X factor. Yeah, you know the big but game. But they're both, I find it really weird. And, I, and it, I saw a few comments as well, that a number of the pros that sort of put comments on social media going, that's just weird and not really that fair. I kind of feel for Lawrence now because she's a great athlete. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, these are things like this. There's always going to be criticism of choices, but you're kind of getting crept on, aren't you? Sure, absolutely you getting know, crept and, on. And it's a tough one, but if, you know, if people feel that Pallant Brown is the better pick. Yeah. So, and then, uh, But then at the same time, if you're Pallant Brown, you'd be gutted. Oh, totally. Because it's a great payday. It's, it's the big, kind of one of the big events now of our year. Massive payday. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're getting... She would have got... Well, the worst placed person is going to get $20,000. Yeah. And to win that... In a triathlon event around the world, it's not Collins that many. Cup, are the pays different. Oh, we'll go into that when we get there. Okay. Um, we'll go into that next week, actually. But the minimum you earn is twenty thousand dollars. The top person, uh, top ranked athlete, going in is ninety thousand dollars. So okay. you ain't getting that paid that hardly anywhere in the world. So that was really interesting on the European females. Um, I wonder, and they haven't put out any justification, have they? Not that I've seen. No. Yeah, okay. And what? What do you say? We just go, oh, we think she's a better athlete for the job. Uh, The boys' side of it for the Europeans was reasonably predictable. They went for Daniel Beckengard and Laidlow. I sort of suggested they maybe should have put one of the French short-course athletes in there, Leo Berger or something, might have done, uh, would have done a good job. But Sam Laidlow showed he did a really good race at the PTO Canadian event. Actually, we'll talk about that in a second. Okay, so then we're going to... Hold on. And the Florian Angat might feel a little bit hard done by. You heard him on the show a little while ago. Uh, He was ranked higher than Sam Laidlow, but they sort of went for the 70.3 sort of form athlete. Um, on to the internationals. Yeah, so we've got um, females Duffy and Lopez. Yeah, so of course you're going to pick Flora Duffy, yeah. even though she hasn't really got much of a 70.3 background. Um, but yeah, that is a no-brainer. And then Lopez, um, she performed really well at this at the PTO event, and she hasn't, hasn't got a lot of experience but she's going to keep you in the game. She's a really, really good swimmer um, and solid on the bike, a little bit weaker on the run, uh, but she's going to keep you in the game. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good choice. You had uh, Baptista and Watkinson um, who miss out. They were both number five and six on the rankings. So if you went purely on rankings, they would have got in, but the other two have a bit more sort of X factor. And here is the big one. Hayden Wild has been picked. Aaron Royal as well, but Hayden Wild. Now, 
It's a John, wild pick. It's a, it's wild a wild card. Pick. Isn't the spirit of it? Well, the spirit of it is to try to win. Yeah, but if it is a long course organization, doesn't matter. I, it's, you're, you're there to win, and when you're back against as against the wall, if you're a team Europe, I, I love it. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I, you know, like one one criticism we've had of the Collins Cup from pro athletes is it's very tilted towards faster people mm-hmm. and, and and the short course people. So seventy point three. And short course people are getting an opportunity where they're going to get big payday, mm. big exposure. It's, the, it's kind of one of the key events. And moving forward, it's going to be that. People who are really good long course people, you know, aren't going to get there. Absolutely. And the ones that missed out are long course specialists. So and had, how many races has Hayden Wild done outside of in, in that world? Uh, none. Oh, he's done one. Yeah. And that was in 2019. So in the last 12 months, he's done nothing. Yes, yeah, so he's got no world ranking um, because he's done no events. And... Yeah, so the the two that kind of missed out that were, were battling for those spots was uh, our Kiwi Kyle Smith and Sam Appleton. Both of them do halves and fulls, and both of them are, are pretty capable. Both of them yeah. were there last year. Um, however, Aaron Royal, he, he sort of hasn't got huge experience, but he again showed with a third place at the PTO race. He is if he races like that, yep. he is competitive against anybody. Uh, and Hayden Wild. You had to pick, I, I don't get me wrong, I'm being the devil's advocate here because yeah. I love that he's here and you had to pick him. Mm. But I kind of understand why some pro athletes who are in the longer game are like, this sucks. Mm. Yeah, but hey, there's one solution to that. You get yourself in the top four and then you don't have to worry about the captain's picks. So, you know, that's that's the way the cookie crumbles. Um, but Hayden Wild, it's going to go one of two ways. He's going to smoke it or he's going to explode. Does, I don't, think, it, don't it, think he's going to go average. Does it change the dynamic at all? Like you know, because we've kind of said let's you know put the put the medals on the European team already. Uh, well, if I was a team captain, I think you've got to be really careful who you put Hayden Wild up against because um, the, the bike's the unknown for him. Yeah. Uh, but so you've got to put him up against I think somebody who's going to be able to keep up in the, within the swim. He'll keep up with almost all of them in the swim. If there was a real gun swimmer, and I'm trying to think of maybe a. Um, uh, Sam Laidlaw, who probably would drop him, and there might be one or two others that have to look at the list. Then he's kind of in that unknown zone. But I'd say I'd de- I'd put him up against Blumenfeld Reed, and um, oh really? Because he'll swim with them, and then he just has to follow them on the bike, and then he's got as good a chance as anybody is out. Oh, so you'd them. put him against one of your guns, absolutely. Because you've got to think, uh, and we'll go, I'll go into this more next week. But the key is those time gaps. A winning is really important, yep. but it's the time gaps that are the game changer. Yeah. And he, as long as he bikes can hang in there on the bike, he's not going to lose that much time on the run, you would think. And if anything and he, can Potentially, yeah. you know, if you're thinking, you line him up against Christian Blumenfeld, if they come off the bike together, you're going, this is game on. He could take him here, and we all think Christian Blumenfeld's amazing, and he is, but Hayden Wilde could outrun anybody in, uh, in this event. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a fantastic choice. You're there to win, so you do have some sympathy for those that didn't get in. Yeah. And, but, and I'm with you. I love it. Like, mm. I, like I, it, it makes me want to worry, watch the race more. Exactly. You know? And that's you've got to bring the star factor in there. And, and if, for Joe Public, for Kiwis and stuff, they're going to be more likely to watch it. World Triathlon, sort of short course athletes that might not necessarily watch this, they go, hey, let's see how Hayden Wild goes against yep, these I guys. Uh, so I think it's a great move. Uh, the Americans, um, their, their slicks were pretty predictable. They went for Ben Canute and uh, West in the men's side. Hoffman was ranked higher than West, but he's certainly not going to cut the mustard over the half distance. Um, so I think they were pretty predictable choices. And then on the female side, Sarah True went in. She's not ranked very high because she's only got two 
races to her name and the way the PTO rankings are, you've got it's your three best races and she's only got two. Uh, so if she had a third race uh, under her belt, she's coming back from pregnancy and having a child, she would have probably been an automatic pick. Um, so that's, that's a good choice. And then the second one, yeah, there's a little bit of um, to and fro there. You went for Sophie Watts uh, and she beat out uh, Jocelyn McCauley and Heather Jackson who are both ranked higher than her but she's uh, she finished ninth at the PTO race and that probably sealed the deal and Heather Jackson isn't great over the short course, uh, over the sort of half distance. So mostly pretty predictable. It was just that Emma Pallant-Brown, that was a bit of a head scratcher and Hayden Wild was uh, is going to be an interesting one to see how he goes as well. It's going to be good. We'll do a big uh, Collins Cup build up next week. Okay, over the weekend we had no pro races but we did have a few 70.3 results. So what happened there, Jombo? We've got, uh, we had Alistair Brownlee getting back on, back on the horse and he won the, I think it was the inaugural Swansea 70.3, so that's in uh, South Wales. Didn't have too much competition, that being said. Third yeah. place was Tom Bishop, he's a pretty handy um, short course athlete, but he won by seven minutes, absolutely dominated the dojo and sounded like he sort of eased up on the run. He was pretty stoked to, to sort of be able to overcome his challenges he's had of late. And on the female side, you had Cat Matthews take that out. We had the 70.3 in Genia, or Genia, which is in Poland. Sam Long um, beat Jan Fredino's course record, win by a really good four minutes over Richard Varga, who's a good athlete. Um, Imogene Simons took out the females. And then we had 70.3 in Boulder, and you yeah. had Rach McBride. Take Rachel, that Rach, out. Rachel McBride, her nickname's Rach. Yes, it is. <laughs> she, she took hey, that out. Bevan, Bevan Isles, his nickname's Bev. <laughs> and Leslie, in front of Leslie Smith and Hannah Wells. Oh, Melina was over there and said uh, it was a pretty toasty day. Was he racing? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Uh, and then on the boys' side, you had short course specialist Matt Sharp sort of transitioning across to uh, half distance, and he beat out Justin Metzler and Ben Hoffman. Looked like a pretty interesting race. I watched the little highlights yesterday. So no iron distance action, um, just some 70.3s over the weekend. Okay, Ironman Tallinn. Now, Liz, Nick Knows Rose sent through a report on this. He said, just completed Ironman Tallinn again, non-pro race again. Weather started out better than last year, but still very windy. Lake Swim, first guys were in the low 52s, first lady out in just under an hour. The bike course is notoriously fast, rain set in around 20k's into the course and didn't stop for the next 130k's, biblical in places, but just added to things to keep your mind off the 180k's, still a very fast route. In the men's race, Jamie Berry took out a commanding lead into the bike course, setting off solo with um, most tailing his wake. Entering T2, he had an eight-minute lead. In the women's race, Lizzie Brooke, defending champion, started to claw back her way through the bike as her strongest discipline, turning the 21-minute deficit out of the water into an eight-minute deficit into the run. In the men's run... What you don't see on the tracker is the first three guys on the run course were directed the wrong way. Mm. How many times does this have to happen? Uh, on the first lap of the run, and had 4.4 added to their run because the course wasn't set up correctly. Jamie Berry, who was leading at that point, pulled the pin at 15 miles, and the other two continued on, one finishing 13th and the other one 9th. That's, now, was, I wonder if that was the technical prop? Oh, it must have been, eh? Yeah, who knows? I mean, at the end of the day... Is the athlete's responsibility to know the course, oh, but on. it's pretty tricky if you do get. And if uh, someone goes go this way, way, yeah, you know, you you, you, you come on, yeah. Uh, the overall men's leader was Michael. How do you say that? Hulub. Hulub. 
uh, from Slovakia. Uh, ran uh, 2.56 to take the win by six minutes. Liz Brookie continued to catch the women's leader by the 21k mark. Had passed her and never looked back, finishing with 11-minute victory. Weather on the run heated up to after around 90 minutes, which made the second half of the marathon toasty for the leaders and the overall warm for the middle of the Packers and the back of the Packers. Great location to race. Awesome to race in a capital city. The weather is unpredictable, but will always be a fast course, so you can see it in the results. Yes, so the first place was 8.40.00. Second was Yuck Kimmel. I'm pretty sure that's the flag of Estonia in 8.46. And third was Norn Bannock in 8.56. So the first three fellas went under the nine-hour barrier. And then, oh, come on, they've got to be able to show me all the females. Come on, show us the females. I don't want to go age group female. I want to be able to search by female. Sorry, females. The Ironman Tracker website has let me down. Okay. Apologies. But Lizzie Brooke took out the female side of it. Uh, Then we also had a few other non pro races. Really? Three races in the one weekend? Yeah. Four, actually. In Genia, which is in Poland. Uh, We have to have a pause. I've got to find find these results. Okay, wait a second. I'll pause. And we are back. Okay. And then we. Where are we, Bevan? We are <laughs> Look at, at the results from we are at Janai. Yeah. And this yeah, the tracker, when you look at the tracker on the website, it's a little tricky. You had uh Joachim Frisk, he took that out. Holy smokes, he ran a two forty eight oh one to go age group fifty eight. Yeah, an age grouper. That is smoking. That is smoking. Uh, and he won by nearly ten minutes. Uh, so good on him. And then on the female side Come on, females, where are you? Jeez, you're not looking the females today, are you? Uh, Anik Depuata, she took that out in 10.22. Now, when I went to look at the Ironman Maastricht event, uh, there does not seem to be any results on the tracker. So apologies if you were over there and you did an awesome race. The last one was the uh, inaugural Ironman in Alaska. Beautiful scenery by the look of it, as you as you'd expect, and the winner there was Alex Wheatman in a time of nine hours and eleven minutes. Uh, I saw a little press release. I think they had about a thousand people racing, so um, pretty probably a pretty tricky place to to get to. Um, and then on the female side, in ten twenty three, you had Liz Cullen take that out from Canada. We had Ian Banks sent through an email saying, thought you'd like to know the first time event that took place this weekend, the Impossible Men Triathlon based in my, on the backyard ultra format of laps of a course, put together by the good folks at mm, O2Laz, 600-yard uh, swim, 16.8k mountain, uh, sorry, mile bike, and then a 3.74-mile run. The full deal, up to 14 hours of bliss. Repeat the try course until you tap out. Reach a nine distance under 14 hours. You get $100 back and free racing gear for the next year. There you go. So it's that a would be, a, I, I, didn't, I couldn't find any results or anything for that, but it's just an interesting format to try to do an Ironman and kind of almost like a sprint distance triathlon, just backing it up time after time after time. Uh, it would start out pretty easy. But I tell you what, that swim, after you've done about bloody six or seven of them jumping in with uh, tired legs and stuff, would be pretty tricky. Have you ever done anything like that? Uh, no. Not that long? No. Have you done it even for half? Oh, no, no, I haven't. But that's, I think What's the be... most back-to-back tries you've done? Uh, probably only two or three. Yeah, just as more, more as a training session, not sort of uh, racing, but definitely 
like the idea of that. Good, good to see you this weekend. We've got a pro race coming up. So I'm in Ireland is happening on the 14th of uh, August. And we've got a male-only field in this race. Oh, no, female-only field, sorry. Uh, female-only field. And look, not a not a... An amazing field, John. No, so we're going to get that this time of the year. Um, there's lots of athletes here with asterisks next to their name, so kind of hard what to know who's going to race. And an asterisk on TorstensTryRating.com means they're registered for another race within eight days. Um, but according to this, Chelsea Sodaro is ranked number one, Svenja Tholz number two, and Laura Zinneman number three. Hopefully this event goes off with uh, smooth sailing because 2019 was the first year it was held. It had terrible weather. Uh, the swim had to be cancelled uh, and it was cold and raining for the day. Back then, Alistair Brownlee took that out, uh, beating out Brian McChrystal, or the Brian McChrystal Crystal smoked it on the bike uh, and then Alistair Brownlee ran a 2.51 to come home for a five minute victory. Um, back then we had Emma Bilan take the women's race out in 5 hours 30 uh, or 5 hours 30 on the bike, 3.16 on the run for an 8.50. So pretty um, tricky little course there and yeah, fingers crossed in Ireland they get some decent weather this weekend. Yeah, we're, we're good. You know, the Irish have beaten us in all sports right now so... Also coming up this weekend is the Embra Man, which is, I talk about it every year, absolutely brilliant course. Uh, it's in France, and you have a lake swim, uh, start off nice and early in the morning, and then the bike is really challenging. Um, you go over several coals, including the Col de Zouard, um, which is a beautiful climb, really sort of moon-like at the top. Um, so quite different to what you might see on Mont Ventoux. It's just got all these sort of rock sculptures and beautiful climb. Uh, and then the run is challenging as well. It's got huge, it's really good money. You've done for, it, you? No, no, I've done no. an Olympic distance race oh. here and I've ridden over the course, okay. um, but haven't done the race, but it's definitely on my hit list to do. Cameron Brown's over there doing it, oh, his, his tour, so he's doing a similar thing, all the races I want to do, he did the Alpe d'Huez triathlon, uh, and now he's doing Embraman, he did Rote, uh, so he's ticking off all these bucket list races. It's got really good prize money for the pros, you often don't see that many turning up because it's so challenging, and if you some of those European athletes are just weapons when it goes to riding up and down hills, uh, so 25 grand for 25,000 euros for first, about 125,000 all up. We've got to give them criticism every year because they are sexist pigs, yeah. stupid French sexist pigs, um, because they do not pay equal prize money. It's which is get one of it nowadays. Uh, anything happens in France. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, not that that's an excuse at all, uh, but dis- disappointing to see when pretty much everywhere else in the sport has equal prize money. So last year we had uh, Leon Chevalier take it out and he also took out the Alpe d'Huez triathlon a couple of weeks ago. Don't know if he's racing again this year, but an absolute beast on the bike. He you know, he put big time into everybody else and we had Carrie Lester um, take out the females race last year. Get Put it in perspective, the winning male was 9 hours and 28 minutes. So the run's pretty stock standard. He ran a 2.55 and the swim 49 minutes. So again, um, as expected, but the bike time is 5 hours 38 and for Carrie Lester, Bike time for her is 6 hours and 35 minutes. She was 11 hours and 3 minutes. So it is a long day at the office, um, but a bloody good day at the office. We've got some other races happening, a few smaller events from good old K226. We have. Uh, we've got the Extreme Man in Hungary, the Midnight Man in the UK, the Thor Extreme in Norway, the Thor Sweden Extreme. Man Extreme in, funnily enough, Sweden, and the My Titanium Race in the States, and then, as I said, Ember Man. Okay, uh, this week's discussion. So last week we were talking a little bit about what's the difference in experience 
for those people who go to an, a, an Ironman race that no longer has pros at it. And as we saw last weekend, we had four races on the Ironman calendar last weekend, no pro races. So it's becoming, it'd be really fascinating to see over a whole year now what the split is. Yeah, it's getting more, it's, it's quite a lot. Yeah, I think I, I think I, when I counted up a couple of weeks ago, I think there's about 48 to 50 Ironman races now. Yeah. And I'm going to put it out there that I would say at least, I'd say about a third at a guess okay. would be non-Ironman. It potentially non-pro. could be a bit more, but about a third, I reckon. So what we wanted to know was when you go to those races, is it a different type of experience? We didn't get a huge amount of answers, but we did get some. I'll start off. James Red Rocket, Thomas, he's got, doesn't really make much of a difference to the majority of age groupers. Maybe some of the not really age grouper will miss the challenge of trying to go toe-to-toe with them, but there's not many of them. Brent Chan, uh, not much fun racing, but the lead up to the events and the pre-race activities are more interesting when there is a pro field. Uh, I volunteer or work as a technical official at a number of events each year, and I will say that pro fields help determine what races I choose when setting my schedule. Okay. I'm more likely to travel to a race that has a pro field. Tim Hemming's got, if it's the, right, it's the right move to increase the number of Ironman races, it's also the right move to have an age group only Ironman races. If you're genuinely interested in racing pro racing, then having tiny profiles spread across the world doesn't do little to engage fan engagement. There needs to be more of a focal point. One example, and appreciate some mitigating circumstances, but in a short time window, we had pro women racing in Hamburg, Frankfurt, and Rote, plus the sub eight and the world number one Daniela Reef completing at competing at Switzerland. Always, you know, he's got more here. It meant the top four names: Reef, Philip, Hag. Matthews all avoided each other. On one hand, they all win and it builds anticipation for Kona, but on the other hand, they all win comfortably and the pro element is something of an exhibition that makes really hard viewing. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I get that, totally get that point. Um, Carl Hayes, uh, one of the ironies of racing when the pros are racing is that you can't enjoy watching them race. Triathlon and mass participation running events are both guilty of this. Lucy Francis has got on race day, there's little difference, but afterwards the media coverage is minimal. That's, mm. that's a good point. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and for that reason, public acknowledgement. Because like, mm-hmm. if you think of in New Zealand, New Zealand gets really good PR for Ironman New Zealand. Absolutely. You know, like you get, build, you get stories all week leading into it. Mm-hmm. On race day, they'll have, you know, it's often going live to the finish line. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing Ironman New Zealand this year, your people in your world are going to know it's happened. Mm. If there's no pros there, news aren't turning up. News aren't you turning get the up. local paper doing a couple of articles, but that's about it. Yeah. And so then all your mates probably don't know it happened. So there is there is a flow on effect of that, isn't there? Mm. Peter Colson couldn't care less if, it, uh, if professionals are there or not. Okay, Jason Miller's got just plain and simple Iron Man greed. Pick them in, don't worry about drafting, and give them a half ass swag bad. That's the Iron Man business plan. Yeah. Uh, so for me, if I put myself in the athlete's point of view, uh, I don't think I've done any races where there's no no pros there. Um, but yeah, it would take a little, take a bit, a bit away from me. But at the end of the day, I'm there to do do my job and race as fast as I can. So it wouldn't bother me. Too much, you know. If I think, I think it takes something away, doesn't it? It takes something away, yeah. but it wouldn't be the game changer saying I'm not going to go and do it. So if Ironman Torpor didn't have any pros racing there, and I want to go, I want to do an Ironman race, it wouldn't bother me. But I go, oh, that's a shame. But would you pick? Would you go like, you know, let's say you've got an area because we've only got one Ironman in New Zealand, but let's say you're an area where there's two races close enough that it's similar. Yeah, like a month apart. Yeah, both courses were pretty. Cost you know, the same amount like, to get there, like for like. Would you choose the pro race or the age group? 
I would if it was going to be a good pro field, it would it would definitely influence me. If it was just going to be like Cameron Brown racing um, and maybe one or two other pros, probably wouldn't influence me that much. So it'd just be a bit of a toss of the coin. But but if it was a good pro field, definitely would change my my thoughts. Like if uh, if there was going to be five to ten quality pro pro athletes there, um, then yeah, I'd definitely go to the pro one and check See, that out. So for me, like. I, I think maybe if you've done lots of races, it wouldn't matter so much. Mm. But I wonder if, like, I remember going to Rote with Sean, Sean Porno, and I remember we bumped into some pro, and I don't, I don't think I knew them either. So we just kind of bumped into them at the expo, and the pro was really cool, and, and we talked to them for like five, ten minutes, and it was a really cool moment, mm. you know? And, and even though, I don't know if this pro was a, someone who was going to win, but they were recognisable, I can't remember who it was, but... There was a special moment, and there is something about having elite people around, which is a little bit aspirational. One of the nice things about our sport is our pros are pretty cool people, and they're very accessible. So there's that, that aspect as well. So to me, you do lose something. You do, you know. But the sport's expanding, and there's not enough pros to go around. So if every race Ironman race at the moment was a pro event, you know, Ironman gets criticised, going, "Oh, you're just trying to save money." to a degree that they are, but it would just be one or two pros turning Here's up. Here's the question, about, be a race. if they're putting on races, they're making a bigger pot of money to have. Hmm. The pro money hasn't gone up, has it? I definitely don't think so. Not that uh, I know. I probably should do research on that. Yeah. So I think overall, I like having pros at a race. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of get Tim's point, but you know, we've got to have, we want to have stronger fields. Uh, I don't know if there's a counter to Tim's, but... You know, like that we have all these stellar races where the, the field gets mixed. I just wrote well, Germany, Canada, and a sub eight. You know, like yeah. I guess my my point is, you. I would rather see even less pro races and more prize money pulled into the ones, so we do get those really good battles. So what's well, my thing? It's, it's the evolution of the sport. Unfortunately, we're growing. Well, I think we're growing. There's certainly a growing number of events, um, but we just want to see better better pro races rather than two or three people on the game. And we are. You know, like this year with the, the advent of the championship races for mm-hmm. the PTO, we've now got the Collins Cup. So realistically, we're probably seeing seven or eight races a year now mm. where you, you're actually getting a pretty strong field. Mm. And the thing I wonder is, does Ironman racing, other than Kona and maybe a Germany, actually more of a feeder for pro fields now? Yep, definitely. You know, it's more of a development pathway. Mm. You know, now pros are going to do one other race in the year to get to Kona. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, if you're a pro, if you're an elite pro, you're not going to do any other races other than the one you've got to qualify and Kona. And do Ironman really care about that or not? And going back to that. Unless it affects, unless it affects Kona, I don't think they'll be that bothered. And we look back to that, and that article we read from the original race director from Germany, how they're not willing to invest the money to get to pro, top pros here now anyway. So yeah, I see a future where Ironman racing is actually probably a bit more of a you're going to get the pros, the top pros pick one race a year. Kona will be awesome. Mm. And actually, it's probably more of a development pathway for most mm. of the other races. Yep. Mm. Okay, this week's discussion. We've seen three 50 to 60 minute highlight packages come out in the last few weeks. Um, have you watched them all yet? I have not because I've been too busy watching the Commonwealth Games. Oh, okay. Uh, so there's three cut that have come out. And one is the sub seven, sub eight. One is the PTO Canadian Open, and the third one is the St. George race. So what my challenge to all of you is to go and watch them all. Chris Rose, um, when watched the Ironman St. George 
coverage and he was very disappointed was, oh, really? he said there was about zero coverage of the actual race and the storylines tr- uh, they tried didn't tell um, didn't do the build up to the course justice while I'm not a fan of the general human piece, uh, human interest pieces and really just interested in the racing I found Ironman's own coverage severely lacking especially compared to previous NBC coverage as I watched it I couldn't help but think of Bevan's comments last week and that the coverage didn't hold my interest as, lo- uh, as a long course athlete and won't do anything to draw the average sports fan in um, what were your thoughts on the pop product well I'll give them next time we, we do the discussion of the week so I have not watched that and the St George race race day coverage was, um, it, was good. it was just dramatic that, yeah it was great I, it was a good so race. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how they package that up because um, it, equal- it was really fascinating wasn't it yeah and equally I scanned through very quickly the PTO highlights package there and that looked really good in terms of if I hadn't seen the race and you didn't know the result from scanning through, it looked really good. And the sub seven, sub eight, I think, um, tells is, is a good story as well. So I'll be interested to see which of those people thought did a really good job. Try to put yourself in that picture place where you you don't actually know the result and you're trying to watch it as if you're for the first time because that's the audience we need to be grabbing, people who, who haven't sat there watching the live coverage. Okay, I've got a random question for you, which is nothing about this. You've been big into the Commonwealth Games. Yep. It's now wrapped up. Aaron, who's the guy? Aaron who Gate, Kiwi he won the He won the... Road race? 180k, was it? Uh, I don't actually know. The distance would have been something like yeah. that. Uh, how good was that? It was awesome. Really? No, no, but like, but yeah, like. Oh, well, no, he beat some, he beat top pro riders, really? top tour riders. Because he's not a top pro rider, is he? No, he's he's on a continental team. Um, so which, in what's cy- that? Cycling, so, you have a world pro team, um, which they ride all the big tours. They get automatic entry into the big races. Then you have continental teams. So, and so like second tier. Ra- sec- second tier. And their, their continental team is probably a, a second tier, second tier team. Okay. Uh, so he, he won, I think, the Tour of Greece or something like that. Uh, so he's a good athlete, but I just hope that opens some doors because... Because um, it was a pretty amazing performance yeah, team, wasn't he, it? He beat out um, Daryl Impey. Uh, they got in a breakaway and, and there was about 10 of them. Daryl Impey's a top pro athlete. He's won, pretty sure he's won stage of the Tour de France. He had Geraint Thomas in there, who's won the Tour de France. Uh, and there was a couple of other really decent riders in there. And he, he didn't just beat them, he smoked them. Really? Uh, in the sprint. He and, did, didn't he? But he's and, a good track cyclist. Yeah, he, and but he had to cover quite a bit. So yeah, he he rode an unbelievable Did you watch race. it? I just watched the highlights package. It yeah. was on in the middle of the night. So no, he was he was really good. So, but he's 34. He's 34, is he? I uh, thought he was 32. But oh, maybe 32. So he's, but is that too late? It's getting there. Yeah, it's getting there. Yeah, it was because like four gold medals, pretty mm, impressive. It is. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, John's quiz question. Righty ho. So Collins Cup is coming up. And we're going to focus on it really big time next week. But we're also going to be talking to Craig Alexander in a moment. Uh, But Julie Moss is the captain for the American team, along with Dave Scott. Who did she have the infamous crawl-off at the Ironman against? And what year was that? Oh, I just saw the bit about the year. I thought I'll get this, but who who you did it with? I'm pretty sure I've got this. Not that I'm doing this to... Show off. Show off myself. He picks the question. He goes, he goes, do I know the outside? That's the question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I just wanted to go for a Collins Cup theme. And I was looking through that and I thought, yep, that'll, that'll do the trick. Because she was, Julie Moss was in second place, wasn't she? I'm not telling, I'm not giving away the answer. No, no, no you, she was in first place. She was in first. Yeah. And then the girl passed her and fell over. No, Julie Moss is the one that fell over. It, well, she was the one who went for the crawl then. Because it yeah. came down, basically they're both trying to stand up. They're both trying to, it was, No, you you're thinking it. of a different one. Oh, was that? Julie Moss is the first one. She was what made things famous. She was leading. 
uh, and she collapsed and she crawled to the line. But she didn't win. No, she didn't. Uh, and then someone just ran Went past, past her yeah. and almost didn't even notice her. Uh, the one you're thinking of Laurie is... Laurie Bowden, was it? Or? No, Sean Welsh and um, Wendy Ingram. That's right. That one is disturbing. <laughs> if you've never seen it, go watch it. So basically, they're literally on the finishing shoot. Yeah. And they both fall over and they're both trying to get up and then one of them just figures out crawl. Yeah. You know, and, and wins by crawling, basically. But they, they didn't win the race. I, they were probably battling yeah. for like fifth or yeah. sixth or something like that. That was disturbing. That was awesome. <laughs> that was, and what was um, Paul and you phrase? She sat on it for like 15 minutes, didn't she? She sat, she, that was 600 metres for the, for the yeah. finish. Like, and she yeah. was well ahead too, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. 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 But she didn't win that, did she? No. Okay, uh, okay so what, who came second or who did she, who was no. the, the crawl off? No, who passed Julie Moss? Okay. And in what year did it happen? Okay, we've got a great interview here. Here is the legend. It is Craig Alexander. He's going to be talking about what happens at the Collins Cup. Righto, team. Um, we have got the legend. legend of Craig Alexander on the show, three-time world champion over in Hawaii, two-time 70.3 champion. But at the moment, the big focus is on the Collins Cup. It's coming up in a couple of weeks, and he is the team captain along with Aaron Baker, and they've made some interesting picks. Uh, John's happy. John's happy, yeah. So uh, welcome back to the show, Craig. Hi, boys. Thanks for having me on. Um, okay, so before we sort of get into your picks and stuff, um, what, you obviously, I'm sure you watched the the, the event last year. Um, yeah, we were probably all still down in, in lockdown and stuff. Um, what did you What did you kind of make of it last year in terms of the the build up versus what was actually what delivered on the day? Yeah, I didn't mind it. I, I liked the whole. I mean, look, like you boys, I'm a I'm a fan of the sport. So, you know, if if athletes like Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav raced around their lounge room in their pajamas and someone broadcast it, I'd probably watch it because I just love, love the sport and love, you know, watching the, the good athletes race each other. So I didn't mind. I thought it was a good, um, really good sort of unique format of head to head to head racing. Um, something different to what we normally see. And, uh, but yeah, I thought it was good. And look, <clears throat> I know there was a little bit of criticism around it, it was the first year. And, you know, I just think that, what the PTO have done in their short history has been huge. Um, First and foremost, they're they're just an association or organization for the professionals. And and obviously now they're moving more into some events. Um, But I really enjoyed watching the Collins Cup last year and hopefully, you know, maybe there's a few minor tweaks. Who knows? I'm I'm not exactly sure. I think the format's pretty much the same. Um, From what I've heard, the main improvements they want to work on is just the the production of the show um, and delivery of the of the online content um, or the TV content. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what changes they come up with. But as for the format itself, I, I enjoyed it. Do you, do you, like looking now, you know, this organisation's coming along. It's got a lot of money behind it. You know, you had a very successful career and, and Trifon has been good to you as well. But do you kind of wish you were kind of a pro at this moment? Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, look back when I was racing, as you guys know, there was – you know, we were lucky. I guess the people who raced through the 2000s were lucky because there was a, a large injection of cash into the sport in the US, a couple of big races. Um, Lifetime Fitness was one of them once a year and also then on, off the back of that, um, High V. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just good for the athletes now. I mean, it would be great to still be racing, but I, I think the athletes 
they just deserve it. They deserve everything they get. It's a, such a hard sport, a competitive sport. Of course, a lot of training goes into it. And I think some of the, the racing now and the prize purses we're seeing, it's, it's bringing the sport more on par with what other sports um, demand. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a very competitive category, the sports entertainment business. I mean, you're vying for people's attention and a lot of revenue is based around TV money. Or, um, so you've got to, I guess, design and deliver a product that people find interesting and engaging and want to tune in and watch because ultimately that's what um, funds the whole thing uh, in all sports. It's the TV money that funds a lot of the, um, the prize purses and, and the whole sport really. So, you know, and we've seen it in our sport in um, different versions, people trying to package up the sport. I mean, Super League is a classic example uh, of something I think that, that started in Australia 25 years ago really with the, the Grand Prix series and and now that's been rebirthed as Super League. And I, I love that format personally. I think that's, you know, as someone who's a triathlete themselves, I love just the dynamics of that kind of racing. But but I think it also appeals to sports fans and a wider audience as well. Um, the shorter racing, the tight courses, the lead changes. Um, and, you know, we see it in all sports now. In cricket, <clears throat> used to be test cricket, then it was 50 over cricket. Now it's 2020. They're just trying to package things up and, it's purely for, for sports entertainment um, and delivering a product to, a, to an audience. Um, and that's what the Collins Cup have done as well. And, you know, obviously they've brought in this unique four teams format, similar to the Davis Cup or the Ryder Cup. Um, so, yeah, it's just another, I think, another offering that our sport has to, 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 I guess, take the sport to a wider audience. And it's great for the athletes now, but I think every old athlete's looking at the some of the prize purses and thinking oh, it would have been nice, nice to, um, you know, to run around for that sort of cash, but good luck to them. Good luck to the athletes. And I think it's, it's a lot deeper than that too, though. I mean, as you guys would, would know watching on with what the PTO are doing. I mean, I read something the other day that said, you know, during the, the lockdown in 2020, you know, Ironman total money that they paid out was close to zero. Super League, the same, was next to nothing. Challenge hadn't paid out any money because, of course, there were no races on. But, you know, the PTO had still paid out a lot of money um, mm. to athletes and they just they just based it on what the world rankings were. But it was just something for the athletes to, to keep them going through a, a period of no racing. And, you know, they've also implemented, uh, like, maternity leave for female athletes. For me... Those sorts of things are going to be the real legacy of the PTO. Um, you know, I just think it's, it's awesome to see as, as a dad with two daughters, you know, you see the opportunities that, that women have in sport. And I guess it's, it's limited compared to what the boys get, particularly if they want to have families. So I think that whole initiative that the PTO brought about with the maternity leave, um, that in itself is just a huge step forward for for our sport and for sport in general. I don't know if there's too many sports that offer that. Mm, totally. Now, um, you, you, last year the, cap, the captains for the internationals were Simon Whitfield and Lisa Bentley. This year it's yourself and Aaron Baker. Um, Aaron's, um, you know, unquestionably just a, a, was an amazing athlete in a day. Hasn't been super connected to triathlon other than being married to Scott Molina, who's certainly still very well connected for, for quite some time. So I don't know, have you even, even met Erin before or not? Met her in person one time, but I've been speaking to her on the phone a little bit the last 
few weeks and months as we prepare um, for the trip over to Slovakia next week. And obviously we had to get together and discuss who our picks would be for those wildcard spots, those captain's picks. And um, I would like to think that Scott's kind of an honorary international team captain. <laughs> I was going to say, how much, how much influence <laughs> did he have? Yeah, he's had a bit of influence. He's, I mean, he's one of the all-time greats of our sport as well, um, mm. you know, and both Aaron and Scott were pioneers of the sport and came through one of the first ever uh, eras where the sport was just, I mean, it was exploding globally in the 80s and 90s, uh, primarily off the back of, I guess, races like Hawaii that were getting a lot of media attention. But Scott was winning races all over the place, uh, very prolific. So, yeah, he's been he's been into Aaron's ear a little bit and helping us pick, um, helping us select the team. So, yeah, no, Aaron's amazing. I think she's going to bring quite a unique perspective to the internationals team because she hasn't been involved in the sport for such a long time. She was a real hard ass in her day and she'll call a spade a spade. Yeah. And I think she'll give a unique perspective because you're still, you've, you've been involved in the sport for a long time and, and certainly in you know fairly recent times. So you're kind of still embedded in it, whereas she's going to take a completely different look to it and might rev up some of the athletes in terms of, yeah, just calling a spade a spade. So it could be quite interesting. You know, it's going to be great. She brings so much to the table. Um, and like you say, maybe she hasn't been as involved, but just listening to her break down the race in Edmonton when we were having a chat about that and, and finalising our picks, I mean, she knows the sport so well. And she just comes from such a performance mindset. Mm. Um, so they were easy conversations. Um, we we're on the same page with a lot of our thinking and yeah, just listening to her break the races down and different athletes' performances. I, you know, you can see why she was one of the all-time greats. Um, but she will be a huge addition for us. And, and I just think tactically she knows the sport. And even though things things change, you know, as much as they change, they stay the same. It's still about getting from A to B as fast as possible. And, um, you know, so I think she knows all the things that athletes of any generation or any era need to bring to the table to be ready to compete. Um, so she'll be a huge asset for our team. Well, the other thing about Erin is, is she's never going to turn up underprepared. You know, like anything she does in life, she commits 100%. Um, and so she wouldn't have taken on the role unless she could have done that level. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely, there's kind of a, you know, as you say, high-performing people, you know, you're, you're all pretty high-level people, aren't you? So what's um what in, in terms of actually going through the process of, of picking the your, your wild picks so the first four picks are, are automatic so you guys don't have any influence over that you get dealt what you get dealt um what what sort of process did you guys go go through was it sort of just gut feeling um maybe sort of talk through through your female picks first well i think in general for the males and the females you got to look at who you've got available to you and Again, I just think Aaron and I, we're on the same page from the beginning. You know, we wanted to look at an athlete's pedigree, their recent history, you know, what, what they're like at getting ready for, you know, a one-off race on a big stage. Um, but also look at more recent form as well. You know, give athletes a chance who maybe are on the fringe or not on everyone's lips in terms of, you know, huge talking point athlete, but someone who's in great form. So, And the race in Edmonton gave us a chance to really evaluate those athletes who were, when you were keen to be involved and wanted to, wanted to be up for um, selection um, and knew that, you know, Edmonton would be a good dress rehearsal for them. So they were, 
So I guess they were the two sort of categories. But, I mean, even before that race in Edmonton, we'd got our heads together and come up with our list. So, I mean, athletes like Hayden and Flora, for instance, um, they were on our radar right from the get-go. Um, you know, from our very first conversation, we just thought, you know, we think they're going to be a huge asset. I mean, if you want us to break down the pick by pick, if we look at Flora first, I mean, you know, male or female, I think she's been the best triathlete in the world the last five years. Absolutely. Um, mm. Olympic Games gold medal, a couple of com games. What is it? Two or three ITU world titles now. Um, Xterra Worlds. You know, and I, ju- I just think there's such a big crossover too between like Hayden and, and Flora are similar in that they've they've been Xterra World champs and they're great mountain bikers. A lot of the mountain bikers have huge engines. You know, a lot of people might think, well, Hayden really hasn't got an extensive history at racing middle distance. I think what we see throughout the history of our sport is that, I mean, especially the length of that race in Edmonton and what the Collins Cup will be, it's, it's, it's shorter than a half Ironman. It's much closer to Olympic distance racing um, and pretty much almost the same training that you would do, um, particularly for Olympic distance non-drafting kinds of races. Um, and, you know, a lot of those exterior races go for two and a half hours or more. Um, so covering the distance is not going to be a problem for, for either of them. Flora was was obviously slated to step up and race a couple of 70.3s this year, but she had a couple of false starts, one with COVID. I think the, she was meant to race the 70.3 North American champs in Chattanooga, and she got she got COVID, so she couldn't do that one. And then she was meant to do Mont-Tremblant and <clears throat> good old Air Canada lost her bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know if they found it yet. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but so, I mean, I know her train and she, and she actually did a 70.3 race earlier in the year. And um, yeah, I think people familiar with the sport would understand if you're training for Olympic distance racing, you've got all the tools you need to do well at a middle distance race. Um, and they're the athletes who are actually going to be more competitive. So I think those, those two picks were, were in the forefront of our minds right from our first conversation. And then nothing we saw this year swayed against that sort of mindset in fact every time both those athletes stepped on a race course it only reinforced it there was going to be a great decision i mean all they do is win both of them you know so um and even races like the was that it was at the race in montreal where hayden dropped his chain and the mm. commentators were saying he was out of the race and he he soloed back up to the group and um ended up in a sprint finish with alex just I just think he's an incredible athlete and, you know, he's going to be a huge asset for us. So, yeah, I, I think those two picks were, um, I don't want to say easy. No picks are easy because you're choosing between different athletes, but they were they were standouts for sure. And then... So just before you go into the other two, um, did they did take much convincing for them? I mean, the timings actually worked out perfectly this year because of the structure of the World Triathlon Series. They're kind of on like a bit of a break at the moment, so there isn't much in the calendar. I know Super League's coming up, and then they've kind of got this funny end-of-season World Triathlon Series. So this year that that really probably helped you guys, but was it was it a very hard sell other than obviously they're getting, you know, 20 grand or whatever is just to, just to turn up? Um, was it a hard sell? Well, the twenty grand a turn up's always nice, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I mean that does that does a lot of the selling for you. But in the end, I mean, look, I think there is a lot of money floating around in the sport. And I mean, to be fair, for the athletes winning the big races, whether it be a world champs, a race 
like Hawaii or, or an Olympic title, there's always money for those athletes and a lot of money. So I think, I think their decisions based more around, you know, being involved in something that's maybe groundbreaking and new that other great athletes are going to be involved with, um, <clears throat> you know, the competitiveness going head to head with some other great athletes like Christian and Gustav, um, you know, so normally you've got the best of the best there racing. I mean, Jan was there last year. He's not going to be there this year, but um, possibly over this distance, I'd say Christian and Gustav are, are the two standouts. It have been for three or four years now anyway. So, um, you know, those two boys are going to be there. I'm guessing from Hayden's perspective, he wants to he wants to throw his hat in the ring and, and race against those boys. I mean, he's I think he's shown he's never been scared to race against the best people. So um, I think that in itself is an attraction for the real top top-line athletes. Just for you um, on the other picks, Craig, did you actually were you guys communicating with the athletes that were potentials, or um, was it very much you kind of they just found out on the you know when you guys revealed it? No, a bit of both. There were some email exchanges going on, and also the PTO were um, in communication with with some of the athletes who they mentioned to us. Um, so, I mean, our consultation was with the PTO as well because, of course, every pick you the, – the captains make the picks, but they have to be ratified by the board. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think it's the non-athlete board members actually have to sign off, or it might be the athlete board members, whatever it is. But <clears throat> So we, we were in constant consultation with the PTO as well. And, you know, in the end, I think when you've just got standout picks like Flora and Hayden um, – there's not a lot of contention or a lot of conversation. Everyone seems to be on the same page. I mean, from Erin and my perspective, having those two involved was just a no-brainer because they're two of the best in the world um, and we wanted them on our team for obvious reasons. Uh, from the PTO's perspective, I think obviously they're, they're great picks to have as well because they bring their own following um, to, to the table. You know, I think Flora's got a pretty huge fan base in around Bermuda and, and all over the world with what she's accomplished in the last five years. Um, she's very decorated. And, you know, they're all things that the PTO can leverage for their events. So, um, but in the end, there's some email exchanges and uh, a lot of email and phone calls between Erin and myself. And then there was one phone call between Erin, uh, myself and Charles from the PTO when we'd sort of finalised our picks and we just wanted them to sign off on them. So, like anything, mate, just a lot of just a lot of communication there. So, um, <clears throat> and I think, in fairness, and I, I, I'm I'm sure you guys are going to want to touch on some of the picks uh, that were made, yeah. particularly Team Europe's picks. Yeah. I mean, from our perspective, I just think we had some really clear cut choices um, that really weren't contentious at all, um, and. From whatever standpoint you're coming from, it just made sense. I mean, Flora and Hayden just makes sense. For me, I mean, I understand all those things that we talked about, the extra prize money in the sport, the maternity leave, the end of season payouts based on rankings. They're all incredible things that our sport really hasn't seen. But for them to continue, you know, money has to be generated. You know, they have to generate money somehow. And part of generating money is marketing and having big names involved and the commercial um, realities of, of putting on an event and who you'd need involved. But really, Erin and I just came purely from the standpoint of performance because, I mean, our job, our role is to try and, you know, pick some athletes who are going to win, win matchups. Um, and in the end, you know, the athletes are the ones who are on the, 
on the start line and they're the ones racing each other. So they're the ones with the skin in the game. But I guess from mine and Aaron's perspective, our really major input is just helping with these picks and making sure we get the best picks that help our team win. So that's what we did. So we had no other considerations other than who we thought we could win. And I don't think your second picks probably weren't that contentious either. I mean, you went for no. Aaron Royal. You know, he basically just got, probably got picked on form, and Lopez, who's 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 had a really good performance in the um, in the Edmonton race as well. So those were basically form picks. You kind of feel a little bit for for Kyle Smith and um, and Appleton probably on the boys side. Yeah, hundred percent. And and look, I think both Kyle. I mean, we gave Kyle a wild card last year and he he didn't disappoint. I just think he's gone from strength to strength. Both he and Sam, I think, are two athletes who are very well suited to that Collins Cup style of racing where it's going to be a hard swim in dead water. It's not salt water. Um, not, not a, you know, there's not a huge group to sit on in the swim. Pretty much got to generate your own pace. Both really good swimmers and super strong bikers. Um, and good runners, you know, so they're, they're just great all-round triathletes. So I think they're really, they're both really well suited to that style of racing. But in the end, you know, I, I think having that race in Edmonton just provided us with a perfect dress rehearsal four weeks out. And um, Kyle was in the mix in Edmonton. Just Aaron just simply had a better race on the day. And, and I, you know, I think from an athlete's perspective, and I know certainly from my perspective as someone who's been an athlete and who's now been given this responsibility to, to pick, pick these athletes, picking athletes on reputation and history and what they're capable of, like, like we did with Flora and Hayden, I think is there's always got to be an avenue to do that. You've got to pick your great athletes and your generational athletes, particularly if they're in form. But I think every athlete who's vying or who dreams about being in the Collins Cup has got to feel like if I get to Edmonton and I race well and I put my best foot forward that I'm a chance to get picked. I mean, I think mm. that's one of the beautiful things about sport and, you know, some of those fairy tale stories you see a lot in, in sport. You know, if you get a chance, sport's very objective. If someone performs well, they should be rewarded. I mean, I didn't think we, we had to, you know, sit around behind closed doors and have a selection committee. Like if we had a race where we got to really evaluate people in a head-to-head racing scenario, it would be crazy not to use that information and those results to pick the team. So that's how we picked Victoria and Aaron based off of those results. Kyle was definitely unlucky because he really hasn't done much wrong. It was just that Aaron got third in Edmonton. And, um, you know, it was funny because Aaron actually wasn't on the start line for Edmonton and he, he emailed me. And we had a little bit of back and forth. And he said, mate, I'm training more specifically um, for non-drafting races at the moment. And, and I've always rated him highly. I just think he's a great athlete. Again, good, like Kyle, good all round. No real weaknesses, just good, good all round triathlete. And um, I emailed to try and get him into Edmonton and it was a full field. He couldn't get in, but then there was a late withdrawal the week before. So he got his start, got his opportunity and he took it. Um, so... Yeah, I think Aaron and I, were, we just, we wanted to, we wanted to, I guess, let those picks reflect that if you're the kind of athlete who's won big races in the past and you've shown you can get the job done on the big stage that, you know, you're a chance to get picked and that's what happened with Flora and Hayden. 
Similarly, if you're an athlete who's come into some great form, maybe doesn't have the results, the resume of some other athletes, but you get a chance and you take that chance at the right time, then you're also right in the frame to get picked and you're going to get rewarded as well. So I think, yeah, I think Aaron and I came up with a nice, a nice balance there. And um, like you say, though, John, we were, we were lucky because in the end, they, with the exception of Kyle and Sam, who, who, who were unlucky. Um, I mean, Kyle's going as our reserves and um, if there's any late withdrawals on the men's side, he will step in. And if not, he'll get to race the ITU world long course champs the next day, which are over the same distance on the same course. So um, yeah. When it comes to picking your your, your matchups, um, you know, so you're over there and you're, you're, you're lining up the athletes. Um, are you going to get much input from the athletes? Like Lionel Sanders has already said he wants to line up against Gustav or, or Christian. Um, <laughs> yeah, how much input are you going to take take from from the athletes, or are you guys just going to go with uh, with what you feel is right? Oh no, we'll take a lot of input from the athletes because. Mate, also, I guess it's important to work out, especially with the automatic qualifiers, I mean, where they, where they are in their training. I mean, mm. you know, if, someone, if someone's actually preparing for a, an Ironman race three, three weeks down the track or four weeks down the track, they're probably not in as good a form as someone like Hayden who's just come off some really short, fast racing. Um, you know, so we will take a lot of feedback from the athletes for sure. Mm. Um, I think what Aaron and I are going to do, and actually we're in the process of doing this week, is just putting together some potential matchups in our own. We're going to we'll have a list of who we think might match up well against each other, based on strengths and weaknesses. Obviously, you know, looking at how athletes match up, I think is important. Um, you know, you don't want to be isolated in the swim and and the other two athletes. For instance, if you know it, it's if three athletes go off together, two athletes get together and one's isolated off the back in the swim, it's going to be a long day. Mm. Um, depending on who that athlete is, though, if it's someone like a Lionel Sanders who has the, you know, the, the cycling strength to bridge back up. Mm. Um, but I, I guess, you, you, yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to have a look at potential matchups we think might work, but then we get a, we get a good opportunity next week in the lead up to the race to sit down with the athletes as well and um, finalise the picks We'll finalize the matchups. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I think uh, whoever you put Hayden Wild up against, he's going to crush it. It's going to be awesome. What's um, yeah. what's what's happening in your world these days? We, we've we sort of I think we saw you sort of racing on and off a bit, sort of uh, leading into lockdown. But I can't recall off the top of my head if you've done much, and you seem to still be pretty pretty competitive at doing seventy point three. So what's what's happening in your world, mate? Not a lot. Not a lot. COVID shut me down in a big way. I um, yeah. No, I mean two thousand and nineteen. Yeah, I, I raced five times. I still did five races. I did the Aussie Long Course Champs, which were in Bustledon, a 70.3 race in Bustledon. Um, I also did Husky, which is a big race over here in Australia. And then I did three races, three 70.3s overseas. I did the uh, Asia Pack Champs. Um, I did a big race in the Philippines. So, look, yeah, I was still loving the racing back then, and I was still, I was still really fit. Um, a lot of my fitness came about because I was, I was running quite a bit with my daughter's run group. Um, she's a very good runner. She's actually in her final year of high school this year, just about to sit her final exam. So mm -hmm. um, she's a good runner and she's in a really good running group. So I would go down and run with them. And yeah, out of that, I just had great fitness. It didn't take a lot of swimming and biking to get things up to speed. And, and I still love to race. Um, so I kept racing, but uh, 
yeah, I didn't have a full, a lot of my, I guess, time was devoted to promotional work in the coaching business, but I did five races in 2019 and my plan was to do a few more. I got a couple of nice invitations in 2020 to go back to Europe and race. And then of course the world shut down in March that year. So yeah, it just didn't, it didn't make sense to me. And, and my, my training load at the time was nothing like it had been back in the heyday, but I was probably still doing, oh, I, I want to say in 2019, I was still doing 15 to 20 hours a week of training. Um, so I'd, I'd do, I'd do at least two hours a day, most days. Um, but yeah, when the pandemic hit, it just, it didn't make sense. We went into lockdown as you guys did. Neri, my wife's an emergency nurse. So she's, she went from 20 hours a week. She was on a, like a part-time contract to 60 hours a week overnight. Um, so I was home. I was home a lot with the kids doing the homeschooling, um, trying to keep our online coaching business going as well. And, and to be honest, I mean, look, everything happens, you know, people say everything happens for a reason. You know, it was a rough two years for a lot of people, industry shutting down. Um, from my perspective, not having, I mean, 2020 was the first year in, I want to say 25 years that I didn't travel internationally. Um, so I was home for the whole year. And whilst we were locked down, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with the kids, um, started surfing again, more with my sons, picked up the guitar again for the first time in about 15 nice. years. Yeah. So, I mean, you just got to, I guess you just got to roll with whatever's happening. Um, but yeah, we kept we kept the online business going, which was nice. Um, rolling through into twenty twenty one, it was more of the same. A lot of the world did start to bounce back, but like you guys, I mean, we were locked down over here. I think for four months as well last year, and and even when we weren't in lockdown, events and things weren't on the way we're normally used to seeing them. So um, yeah, but fast forward into this year, I mean, a lot more's picked up. I guess I'm back on back traveling again. I've already had two trips to the US this year and I was the event ambassador down at the Husky Triathlon. Um, I was also at Ironman Australia uh, as, as a guest of Ironman Oceania. I was the event ambassador for an ultra trial race actually up at Noosa earlier this year. Um, it was the first trial race I'd ever done actually, which was a lot of fun. I've done a lot of run training on the trials, but I'd never actually done a trial race. Um, and you know they had they tried to talk me into the fifty or the hundred k. Ended up doing the twenty five k. So um, <laughs> not as hard as some of some of those ultra trail runners. They're crazy. A lot of those guys and girls. But um, yeah, so that was fun. So I mean, I'm still doing some training. I mean, <clears throat> I would say I'm doing maybe an hour a day. Uh, although some days go past, nothing gets done. Um, very busy with the kids. Trying to be really engaged with the kids. I'm helping coach my daughters. Uh, soccer team um, one of the other dads and I at the local school started up a little run club which we run once a week for the kids they can just come along and we just do different games um, a lot of running drills not so much running but some running drills and different games more for fun and just to get the kids involved and and active um, got got roped into doing a little bit of coaching at the local surf club because my son and daughter do nippers down there so do a little bit of coaching down there for the beach runners. Um, so yeah, I've got plenty to keep me busy. 
Make yourself occupied. Any bucket lists, the races you want to go do? You see, probably see Cam Brown over in Europe doing yeah. his road and uh, Alpe d'Huez and he's doing Embraer Man this weekend. Any any final bucket races you want to do? Not necessarily as, as races, um, but to go and just either experience. just experience them. Mate, you know what? I've, it's been something I always used to hear people talk about. And I guess I was so, you know, sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. You're so focused on the things that you're doing right then that you don't even think further than that. But I have watched what Cam's been doing. He seems to be having a lot of fun over there. I don't yeah. know how, he's, how the old body holds together. He just gives it a flogging. But, um, you know, Norseman was on last weekend. That's an interesting race. Looks brutal, but looks like a lot of fun. Um, but an event I looked, I mean, I've always looked at coast to coast in New Zealand. Oh, nice. um, right. Yeah. It's, it's just, um, you know, something I started probably five years ago was just paddling a ski. Um, Neri got me a ski for my birthday, my 45th birthday, and we live pretty close to the water. So I was getting out there a lot during COVID. I was actually out there most days, um, paddling. And I know a couple of people have raced coast to coast. Obviously I know no Braden has dominated there and. Um, I've got a good mate who raced there. It sounds it's like not only a very tough race physically and mentally, but just logistically, all the equipment you've got to have and I, I the handlers. What, I tell you what, if you commit to doing it, Bevan and I will be your support crew. We're from Christchurch. I've, yeah. I've done the support crew many times really? for, for M, who's she's won the race a couple of times. I'm wow. volunteering Bevan and I to be your support crew. You probably need one other. Neri can come over. She can keep, it's a, it's keep a nut. It's an amazing nut, race, nut. mate. It's absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. It's, it's no, seriously it's one out. of the greatest races in the world. No, mate, I, I look at it and think it is one of the greatest races in the world for sure. I mean, it just... Just the scenery, how tough it is. It's just beautiful. But, mate, we're not bringing Neri over. That'd be um, – we'll have a boys trip. <laughs> nice. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing what you can do and uh, do over there at the Collins Cup. We've, I've got renewed enthusiasm for our international team. It's looking it's looking good. The Europeans are going to be bloody hard to beat. But um, I think we've got a, a good fighting chance. So um, awesome work, Craig. Have fun over there in Europe. And um, we look forward to seeing you uh, on the, the start line the, of the coast. Yeah, start line <laughs> of the coast to coast. Yeah, well, mate, thanks, thanks for having me on, boys. It's um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Cons Cup. I mean, it's just something different. And just, I mean, one just, thing one I want to ask, Craig, just, just one thing. We've only got four minutes before our Zoom runs out. But just the team aspect. How important is that? From what perspective? Just, well, just team you know, building or- you, you know, the sport's always been such an individual sport, and now with Collins Cup, you're going to this race where everyone's a team. You know, and you know, like that kind of camaraderie of the team and that kind yeah, of yeah. I think it's really, mate. I think it's really important from from. Speaking to Simon Whitfield and Lisa after last year's event, they said it was it was huge. I mean, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I remember growing up playing team sports and that camaraderie was amazing. And then even when you did individual sports, if you were in a relay, you'd always lift a little more because you had teammates. And, um, yeah, I just I think it's big. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask you guys, well, Johnny, you would remember the, the French Cup. Oh, Coupe de France. We, yeah, the Coupe de France. I mean, I think. And I know this year the Collins Cup have, have sort of um, doubled down on just really wanting to deliver a great TV product and make sure the production quality is there. But I think there's scope next year to, to have a two-day event where we get them actually racing together. Like, oh, you, you know, you've you been swim- listening to our podcast. I, I keep saying this. They, they need a team time trial. They need different yes. formats, drafting, non-drafting, 100%, team time trial. Yeah. Have, have a pop- there you go. 
I need to be. I agree. On this, I, I need to be on this international team. Brett, Brett, <laughs> he's, trying to, he's trying to kick you out, Craig. Hey, well, that's all right. Season. We'll get we'll get you. Apparently, the the captains this year pick the captains next year. So, Aaron and I, mate, we'll we'll get you, you in. Go. We'll get you a gig. Have a chat to Scott. <laughs> People go, who's, who's, <laughs> who's that guy? <laughs> we'll get you a gig, mate. You'll be the, the team captain next year. Brilliant. <laughs> I would love your work, Craig. Um, all the best for over there. Yeah, Looking forward time. to it. And if you do want to do the coast to coast, uh, you know where we are. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. It's been fun. Now, we've actually done this interview after we've done this bit, so hopefully it was great, but Craig's always a great talk, so here we go. We're going to go into Coaches Cheers, Corner. Corner, brought to you by Form Goals. Today, we're talking about analysing your swims. Yeah, I reckon okay. that most people listening to this podcast never, never analyse <laughs> yeah, their swims. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, most a lot of us will jump onto Strava, or you jump onto your files, whatever, whatever tools you use to look at your workouts and you'll go how did I do there how did I do there some people probably don't do that um, but you're more likely to do it with your bike and your run um, checking your pace and your splits and whether you've set PBs or you've beaten Jim from down the road um, but yeah very rarely do I think that people do their swims and part of that is because um, the the platforms that support your swimming have been pretty poor in the past so you know a lot of people will swim with watches um, so whether it's a Garmin or a Sunto or whatever watch you use and I've, I find that when you go and look at it on the websites it's pretty clunky there's not the information's not great and equally when you upload it to the some of the platforms you know that, that we use for setting programs and so on again pretty clunky you can, it's you can get the details but you've got to piss fart around quite a bit um, with the form goggles app man it is just so clear and easy to use so what happens you finish your workout um, you just sync your goggles with the app and it all gets uploaded onto there uh, and just really really clear so I guess why do we analyze our, our swims pretty much what we should be doing with the cycling and running is what you do with your swimming and you're looking for little drop-offs so especially when you get tired um, drop-off in your times so you know that you're going to have all your splits shown up there from length to length to sort of uh, how long the interval took you. Um, you can look at things like drop off in your stroke rate. So you do that with your running or so you, you might do it with your cycling. Say you go for a three hour bike ride and you're doing it say at Ironman or half Ironman effort. Um, what you sort of want to look at there is what is happening with your heart rate, what's happening with your power and also what's happening with your cadence the further you get into the into the ride. And you can do the same with your swimming. You look at your stroke rate um, and you can look at some analysis of how well you executed the plan. So if you were thinking, right, I'm going to the pool and I want to do 10 200s and I want to hold the first half, I want to hold four minutes per 200 and the second half I want to do 350, then you've got this really, really easy method to go and look at all your times and just give you a nice summary of um, how, how good a job you've done that. It will be showing up as you've executed the swim in your goggle, but then you've got this quick um, checking tool as well. So um, if you've done a set, I was looking at this last night and we last week, I think one of our sets we did was 10 by 100s during a workout uh, and it's just so quick and easy. It's, you've got a drop down that shows you the splits for um, each of your intervals within that 100 and then if you want to delve deeper, you can see your length by length analysis. Um, you can look at your stroke rate. You can also look at what's called a SWOLF score. Um, and SWOLF, that's, what's that? It's sort of a measure of your efficiency. Okay. So it uh, adds together the number of strokes you've taken in the, for the length and the time it took for you to swim that length so in theory you know if you, as you get fitter it might take you less strokes to do a length uh, in a quicker time okay. so it's sort of a measure of your efficiency so a couple of examples you guys might want to do um, is you can keep track of your 400 meter time so say for example you want to 
you're in a bit of a swim phase and you go, I want to see if I'm improving. Once every three weeks, I'm going to do a 400 meter time trial. Now, it's pretty easy to obviously record those times manually, but then if you use this app, you've got them all stored in one place. Um, but what's important is actually how you swim that 400, and that's where it's a bit trickier with some of the other um, you know, platforms to, to figure that out. So you go into a 400, what most people are going to do, let's say you finish times eight minutes. A lot of people are going to maybe swim like a 150, then a 155, <laughs> and then a two yeah, minutes, and then a 205. Um, so what you can then do with the goggles is it's going to give you all those splits, and you can actually teach yourself to pace yourself to, to a better 400 and, and do it in a slightly more efficient manner. And equally, if you're going to do some, some longer sets, so you might do, say, a 1 to 2K continuous swim, Again, look at your splits as you're going through. So did I hold a consistent pace for, for each um, you know, 100 metres or so? Um, but also ha having a look at your stroke rate as you get further into the swim. So if you were able to sustain the same speed, that's great. Um, did it feel any harder? But also um, was your stroke starting to fall apart a bit? So you know, in the last 200, were you having to do more strokes per length um, to keep that sort of speed up? So those are sort of things you can, um, you can do with the app. As I said, the key thing for me is just so clear and so simple and so quick to be able to, to, to gather your data in. and it does it automatically in terms of that sync um, with uh, your device and the app. So if you want to check it out, go to formswim.com, use the promo code IM15 to get $15 off and use the goggles to become a better and more efficient swimmer. Nice, good times. Yeah, people seem to love them. We get good feedback on them as well, which is really great. You know, good feedback, good technique, good stuff. Okay, we've got Winger of the Week. Nice. Good old Murray Lapworth sent through an email this morning and he said he thinks the reason people are going private is because they're working from home, doing a bit of training during the daytime. Yeah, I think uh, possibly part of it. My theory is that. It is more a case of I don't want burglars to know where I live and when you're out of the house. So if you're a bloody burglar, you go and sit there and go, oh, that person goes riding at 10 o'clock. Do you think they have that much initiative? Sorry? Do you think they have that much initiative? Some do. A lot don't. Yeah. Some, some do. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's part of it. Okay, this week's Wanger of the Week is what number did, did random.org give me? It gave me number 85, which is Matt Charlton from Carlisle in England. Matt's a patron of the show as well. Uh, Braveheart, I think he is, Matt yeah, Braveheart nice. Charlton. Uh, and I know he's, he's going and doing a race this weekend. He's been pretty consistent over the last three weeks. Uh, let's see what his uh, times are. His predicted, I'm not sure if that's uh, an actual time or predicted time, three hours and 49 seconds for oh. the marathon. Um, I thought you were going to Yeah, uh, all-time PR, three hours and 49. And his estimated best time is three hours and 13 seconds. So, uh, I had a mate, my mate Duncan did three hours. Oh, oh. Yeah. That hurts. Yeah. But he, go, he eventually got a sub three, but it hurts. The, um, Strava's done a good job here with estimated best efforts. Uh, it says his estimated best time is 37.13 for a 10k run, and his actual best time is 37.20. Um, Matt's been pretty consistent with his training the last few weeks um, and getting ready to race this weekend. So, Matt is also one thing Matt does is he is a race director for his local park run. Oh, good stuff. So, he goes and helps out and does, does that. That's good stuff, awesome. Is. Matt okay. Charlton, you, you are, are our winner of the week. week. So going back to the quiz question. The quiz question was, Julie Moss got second and was basically one of the breakthrough moments in Ironman sport. Like people don't, if you're new to the sport and you don't know the sport, 
there's significant moments. First race ever, but that there was huge. Because I think it was the first time I was on ABC, wasn't it? It was either what brought that on, it was either the year of it, or it was the year before that happened. Yeah, so the, fo- I, th- I think it was the year before, because I think that footage was on Sports Illustrated, maybe. No, because the, the Sports Illustrated article mm. was the thing that was the next thing. So it was basically the sport came out, they did an article, and you'd speak to like Dave Scott, and they go, oh, I read this article. And, you know, and so that was the big, the big thing that got a lot of people there. I'm pretty sure it was, the, it was just conveniently on TV that year. Right. And then the next year, come boom, from mm. that moment. That was, you know, that was one of the key moments in, in the growth of the sport. Um, so, what year? I'm going to say 82. Oh. It's either 82 or 83. Yeah, I'm going to go 83, just to be different. Yep. Uh, now, who did you, who you beat her? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was Kathleen McCartney. Okay, let me have a look. I'll look it up. I've got it up. Uh, uh, oh, you've got it up already. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, convenient. Picks the answers he knows. Okay, what year was this? So we're looking for... Fair. You're right. 82. 82, 19. I'm pretty sure because I'm sure it was Kathleen McCartney that, Julie, no. that passed her. Julie Leach. No. Oh, there was 82. There was two in 82. Oh, there was two. So there was the February 82 one. I'm pretty uh, sure it was that one because I'm pretty sure it was a that controversial it was one, Kathleen it? McCartney that took it out uh, in February 82 and Julie Leach took out at the race in October 82. That was interesting. If, the, if, the, if that's correct, that was the time Scott Tinley won it. Um, and no one turned up. It, and not many people turned up in February. Yeah. And why was it controversial? Why yeah. did people not turn up? Because originally, if you look before this, because what happens is around 2000, oh, sorry, 20, no, 1982, February, all the races before that were in January, yeah, February. February, January, January. And then that year they did it twice. February. They did it February and October. Mm. And then from that moment forward, it became October. Now, I always thought they, they put an extra one on just because they're trying to make more money or something in the pros. Mm. Oh, because it, cause it was... Were they out? Melinda, I, let us know. I can't remember the year that they added prize money in, but I don't think it was in the, in the 82. There must have been another reason for it. I can't remember. Yeah, Melina, can you let us know why was 82? Why, why did no one turn up in 82? Because Tinley won 82 and 85. Mm. Did, did, or was 85 the year that people didn't turn up? Could have been. Mm. Could have been. Mm. Interesting there you stuff. go. Okay, well, that's, that's a good question. Okay, let's go into... Um, that's oh, it. We actually had a couple... Oh, we can save those later. Okay, let's go into saying thank you to our patrons. Colin the Convict Bielowski. We've got Jerry H. Special Agent Ryan. And Keith the Ice Lord Maring. If you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.imtalk.me. It supports the boys. You get a gift. You're going to draw to win some cool prizes. Get us to Kona. Also, thank you to our sponsor, Form Goggles. Empowers swimmers at every level to reach their goals. Whether they want to get stronger, faster, swim further, or be more efficient, set lap-by-lap motivation with real-time metrics and workout instructions right in your goggles. Check out formswim.com. Use the code IM15 for $15 off. If you want to get show emailed to you, go to me. Coaching, coachshawnewsome.com. My podcast, Bevan James Isles Show. Go to bevanjamesisles.com. Other content, age group of the week, so on. I am talk podcast at gmail.com. I do have to say, mm-hmm. had a pretty cool moment last Friday. Right. Because my book came out on Audible two weeks ago. Because mm-hmm. it t- basically you, it takes up ages to go through Did the Did you end up doing the audio yourself? No, I didn't. Right. It's a, it was a, it a really hard one. Because if you knew me, if you're a Kiwi, probably would have been fine. It mm. actually was fine. Yeah. 
But people overseas... Yeah, not good. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's quite an American-sounding guy, and he did a good job, don't get me wrong. But, um, yeah, it just it didn't. But, so it came out in Audible, and I kind of... And the problem is, because you're not actually allowed to publish an audiobook from New Zealand on Audible. They don't give you an option to do that. So you got to, there's kind of this third-party company that does it for you. So you release the audiobook, and, and like on Amazon, you see how many books you're selling a day. Mm. So you get reports every day. Whereas because it goes through a third party, you've got to wait two months to see how many books you sell. So mm. I just kind of forgot that the audiobook came out. Well, then last Friday, I thought, oh, I'll go check out. No, on Wednesday, I checked out, and it was like 50th in the world for fitness and exercise. Like, That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Then on Friday, I went on Audible, and it's top 10 in the world. Nice. And like Tom Brady was number nine. Yeah. And I was taking Tom Brady down. Oh, I didn't quite take him down, <laughs> but but it was it was a pretty cool moment to think that I've nice. got the top ten in the world. Mm. Um, and and what I love about it because you know you've I've talked about this book a lot to you guys is it's the only book in the top charts that's actually trying to help beginners. Mm. You know, all of them are get leaner, lose weight, mental. Mm. You know, like and it was like it's the only book that's trying to actually help people. So. I'm sure a lot of you guys actually bought the audiobook, so thank you so much if you did because, um, A, it means the book's going well, and it has been going extremely well in New Zealand, but also, you know, now it's international. Um, but B, it was a pretty special moment in my life. You know, nice. I remember I did, went to bed that night and I was just talking to Joe, and I was like, babe, we've got the, the, one of the top 10 books in the world right now. Mm. You know, mm. so that's pretty cool. Anyway, John, what's your goss? What's my goss? Oh, by the way, if you want to get the book, go to passionaboutexercise.com. Well, I'm warmed up. My feet have warmed up now at the end of the yeah, show. Blanky. Which is good. Uh, here we are going for the coldest week of the year in Christchurch. Ooh, it's, it's, definitely, it's not wet and windy. It's just that cold snow air, isn't it? Yeah. However, it wasn't cold and wet on Saturday morning. I went decided to go and do a park run. It was part, sort of part of my build-up. Did you win it? I did not win it. Um, but I'm, I'm inching inching towards the time that I did. So when I came back from Kona 70.3 to 17.40, which is pretty slow for me, uh, this time was 17.17. Okay. Uh, so heading towards 17 minutes, need a, uh, to give myself a pretty swift uppercut in the last K because I'm just being a bit soft, but I haven't done a lot Have you got of- guys around you? This time I did. I, it was set up perfectly. Yeah. It was really nice conditions. Um, had f- three other guys that were running the same pace, and then I just was a soft cock on the last K. I, my, I wasn't really soft, you just didn't but have it. it didn't have that kick and didn't go 10 out of 10 effort. It was like a eight and a half to nine. If you got a 10 out of 10, you wouldn't have got a seven, sub 17. No, I would have probably got a 17.10 maybe. Okay. Like the first guy out of our group went 17.05, okay. but I think he kicked pretty hard. Um, so it's not like I was being a soft cop, yeah. but because I haven't done my really high intensity training, haven't quite got that edge, which is part of the reason for going doing it. And I'm aiming for a peak in September, so heading in the right direction. So you're going to get there, good. aren't you? Um, I need a bit of luck. Like I need good weather and good, good, good people field. around you, and then it should be okay. Um, however... It was quite an enlightening experience because, boom, gun goes off. Well, no, no gun, they just say go <laughs> and get 500 metres in or so, do a quick check of the, the watch to see what sort of pace we're doing. And it's doing some bloody calibration. I'm like, oh, oh for God's sake. And so then I'm doing the entire run blind. And it's like, it's actually good. I'm just running. This feels about right. I think we're on for a good time. Hopefully we are, but it was quite liberating to actually do a not session your watch, you're just not having it. your watch and you're just sort of going for it. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Um, other than that, we did a bit of race directing on Sunday, so that was nice to get back into a groove. Been a while. Should we get rid of the All Black coach? We should get rid of the All Black coach. 
Um, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I didn't watch the rugby. That's a problem. You've lost interest now, right? Completely lost interest. Because yep. uh, I, I wasn't going to get up at three in the morning and watch it. And I, it's pretty rare I'll get up that early and watch a game of rugby. But sometimes I wake up at 4.30 mm-hmm. or I wake up like – and I woke, I did wake up at kind of when it would have been half time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> so the All Blacks for non-Kiwis were playing South We Africa suck at the moment. And they kind of so – it's, it's the worst our rugby team has ever gone by, by not just a little bit. In the professional by era. A lot. Yeah. Uh, we just keep losing and losing. And we're losing to better teams. Yeah. Um, we've got the calibre of player. Well, that's the thing I don't know if we have or not. No, I think we do. Because yeah. a lot of those players have been around when we were dominating. Mm. You know, now But things move on. It's like, you, know, you look at triathletes, you go, that, that guy was awesome. But that, yeah, that was five years ago. You kind of... Like, yeah, but we haven't evolved. It's coaching. Yeah. yeah. So it is interesting times. Commonwealth Games was fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Um, long live the Commonwealth Games. Whatever you think of sort of the whole Commonwealth institution, it's a great sporting... Uh, it's good for us because we do well. Yeah. Because, you know, we do well at the Olympics. We do really well at the Olympics for the size of our country. Um, but we do extremely well at the Commonwealth Games. Mm. What's happening with you, Bevan? Well, the band played on Saturday night, John. band's back in the game, isn't it? Yeah. We haven't had that for a while. Well, because we had to get a new drummer. Right. We've got a new drummer, Kane. He's a yeah. big beast of a man. Yeah. Big tall, big, big unit he is. Um, and so we played live and probably our best live performance yet. Right. The album's finished. Mm-hmm. So October's the release date. You're going to be rolling in it, selling books, selling albums. Yeah. Like, yeah. Tell you, mate. God, you know, guys. I'll be selling out Wembley yeah. and doing a signing autographs for my book yeah. on the side. Elton John's coming to New Zealand, isn't he? You could be a support act yeah, for him. exactly. Not that kind of music. But um, actually, if you go on my Instagram, I put about a two-minute clip of us playing our last song. The other, oh, no. Now, you'll see that I get right into it, mm-hmm. and I keep pulling my neck, John. Right. I pull my neck again. Oh, no. So I, I can't be so hardcore. So, but heaps of fun. Love it. It's like I love music, and it's so nice to have a hobby. I've always talked about this, but when you work in fitness and fitness is your life, mm-hmm. it's great to have a hobby that has nothing to do with fitness. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got kids. That's, <laughs> that's my, my side that's, that's hobby. That's a chore. That's not really a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> How old are your kids now? Uh, 13 and 15. Sure. Mm-hmm. We haven't got much longer. No, no. Do, will Tommy study? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Does he, start, does he start to think career now or? or uh, really, he's going a, to a careers evening tonight. Like an apprenticeship even? Uh, who knows? Uh, did, no, I don't I didn't have a clue what I was going to do when I was 14, 15. 15. No. Didn't even have a clue what I was going to do when I was left school. So yeah, just start to plant the seed a little bit. Mm, plant those seeds. Okay, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.